You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It's Friday, and it's a cleanup day. For new listeners, and I know we have some, the podcast has has steadily grown over the last six to eight months, and and I'm really I'm really happy to have so many new listeners. It it sounds like people are letting their friends know about the show, letting their family know about the show. Always post the show if you like one. Let someone know about it. I had someone on Twitter the other day say, "I tell someone new almost every day." about the show. And I really do appreciate that. And hopefully they do too. I hope you listen because you like the show. You're not hate listening. We're going to talk about gambling today. We're going to talk about a little bit about the anthem changes that the NFL has made and some of the the reaction to that already. But I want to start with some storylines from OTAs because there have been a couple questions that people have had uh, some issues that are out there and some good things. Uh, number one, I thought it was interesting that Mercedes Lewis said one of the reasons he signed in Green Bay, in fact, he didn't go to Green Bay on that visit expecting to sign a contract, but it was a meeting with Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham that sold him on the idea. And that's interesting. Not just that he went in not thinking he was going to be signed. That's probably uh, based on history. The Packers still have a reputation for not signing players, but I think also uh, it, it speaks to the relationship already that's been formed between Rodgers and Graham. They have been effusive in their praise of one another, and the fact that that was what sold Mercedes Lewis, I think, is is telling for what's to come for this team moving forward and, and the way that they handle free agency. In fact, Mike McCarthy said that even right now, the pool of available players is a place where Green Bay still wants to be aggressive, that they want to add players. And that was a a question I've, I've had a couple times asked of me on Twitter about outside linebacker and whether or not Green Bay is going to go get someone as Clay Matthews suggested they might or that they should. I think there's a very good chance that Green Bay adds a depth piece. They've, they've clearly shown now I mean, we have a track record now of Green Bay saying, if there's a guy out there that can help us, we're going to go get him. And the reason may be as simple as they're good and make us better. The Byron Bell signing and the Mercedes Lewis signings are not moves Ted Thompson would have made. I think we can safely say that. But that that was an open question heading into this offseason after the Jimmy Graham signing after the Muhammad Wilkerson signing and after the Tremont Williams signing, I I wondered, is this because the offseason has been so full of, of upheaval? Is it because this new GM wants to make a splash 
or is this the new normal for the Green Bay Packers? And I think we can say pretty definitively at this point now, when we have new moves to discuss or potential moves once every two weeks, I mean, this has been a a formidable offseason already. ESPN, Bill Barnwell, and Mina Kimes did an NFC Moves podcast where they graded offseason moves. The Packers got a B-plus from both of them. This has been a great offseason, and it continues to get better when you add Byron Bell and Mercedes Lewis. There is this issue lingering over OTAs, though, and that is HaHa Clinton Dix is not practicing. These are optional practices. Tremont Williams, who was not there initially, is now practicing with the team, and we don't know why. We haven't been given a reason why. Now, it doesn't take any sort of high-level deductions to imagine that it's probably because he doesn't have a contract and he feels he deserves one and he's not going to risk it any sooner than he has to because if he gets hurt in OTAs, the Packers don't have to pay him after this season. So there's no reason for him to risk injury in an optional practice. I don't blame him for doing this. In fact, I think more more players should probably do it because, I mean, we already saw the Chargers lose their starting tight end, a very good player, to a serious injury. And so that's not something that you can afford to risk as a football player when you only have one year left on your deal. And before we get to some of the other stuff, uh, it, it happened earlier in the week, and Jason Willie called it the first real highlight of OTAs, and that was Jair Alexander picked off a back shoulder throw from Aaron Rodgers. Now, that is supposed to be a throw that not only is Aaron Rodgers the best in football at, which he is, it's also supposed to be a play that is basically uninterceptable, theoretically. Now, this could also speak to Geronimo Allison. And his shortcomings, his failings as a receiver. And it could be about not being on the same page. Aaron Rodgers has also uh, talked about practice as a place for him to try things. And to, to really honestly goof around to keep himself entertained because it can be boring. He's seen everything. He knows everything. He knows this offense inside and out. But it is a great sign for Jair Alexander. He's going to get a trial by fire in these practices with facing Aaron Rodgers every day. This is iron sharpening iron. And for him to already be making plays, it just shows his instinct and playmaking ability. I know a lot of Packers fans were really excited about the Josh Jackson draft pick. And with good reason, he's a really good player. But let's not forget that Alexander is an incredible athlete with outstanding playmaking instincts. And I think we're going to see him making plays on the field sooner rather than later. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. That's free money for you to get data you should already be having. Get great stats like passer rating when targeted from a cornerback or yards per route run by a receiver. Those are excellent fantasy stats as well, especially if you're in an IDP league. There is so much fantasy content and data that they have there to make you a better fantasy football player, daily fantasy player, and just to make you a smarter football fan. So let me help you get that subscription for free 
by winning our contest name and Twitter handle in a review of Locked On Packers on iTunes. So let's go in chronological order with these big macro NFL stories. And the first is the Supreme Court essentially saying that federal law does not supersede state law in the case of gambling. And that is a somewhat convoluted way of saying that states are now, short of a new federal law, states will be allowed to legalize gambling. And not just fantasy football, but full-on gambling. And this obviously has enormous repercussions around the league. The NFL was one of the few leagues, one of the few American sports leagues that hadn't previously been on board. Adam Silver was an early adopter of understanding the potential value in legalized gambling. Value to the league and to the players. And baseball was in on it as well. And it took Roger Goodell a little while. And he was a little late to the party, as is usually the case with him. But what I think he realized was this is an enormous money-making opportunity for the league. And he did something that I think is smart, even if it is unlikely to happen. And he said, okay, if this is going to be a thing, if gambling is going to be legal, then it's in the best interest of everyone to say, we need to have some federal regulations. And what he's really saying is, it is in the best interest of these sports leagues for ease of access and for competitive balance purposes to make sure that there are federal regulations on this because here is the problem. And it is a similar problem to what the league faces with its anti-drug policy. If you're a Seattle Seahawk and you live in Washington where marijuana is legal, why should the league punish you for engaging in legal activity? That is a private activity, understanding that if you, you know, obviously if you get an OWI or something like that, that you are subject to um, other clauses in the the CBA that could open you up to punishment. But there's no reason why those players or Denver Broncos players should be punished for engaging in what is legal activity. Now, the reason that they are is because federally we know what the law is and the league has to has to essentially protect all of its teams and they create policy that affects most of their franchises. So what could happen is in New Jersey, if New Jersey becomes a gambling state, then the New York Jets and the New York Giants can open kiosks at the Meadowlands, they can open fantasy football websites, and they can profit off gambling. And the league can't tell them they can't because it is legal in New Jersey. Now, how do you deal with that revenue from a collective bargaining agreement standpoint? How do you deal with all of that money that could be coming in? And and in New York, you don't think that there are going to be millions of, of gambling dollars pouring in? Does that fall under revenue sharing? Does new, Do those New York franchises have to share that money? And if they don't, how does that affect competitive balance? Do those franchises have less of an incentive to field competitive teams because they don't need to bring in that gate money or that 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 franchise money from merchandise or whatever it is. 
because they have the gambling money. The, from the league standpoint, it makes sense for them to say, we need to have federal regulations. And essentially, if we're going to allow states to make this legal, then let's make it federally legal. Let's put certain restrictions on it. And what the other leagues have said is, we want to cut. The NBA said, we want 1%. We basically want to rake the pot. Like this is this is some sort of illegal card game and the house is going to take a piece of the action. Now, I wrote for Fansided that, that a league like the NFL is absolutely entitled to do that. Because if you are going to benefit from the games and the gambling, and, and you're going to make money as a, as a casino or as just a book. I mean, there are in, in England, if you go over there and, and you want to go see the British Open, you can also, before you get there, you can place some bets on who's going to have the low round of the day, who's going to win, all that stuff. You, it's, you just walk into a gas station, like you can buy a lottery ticket, and you can place bets. So if you are going to, to make money off of that, why should the league allow you to make money on their game without them benefiting from it as well? They have all of those disclaimers. You are not allowed to rebroadcast this game without the express written consent of the NFL. You have to have specific clearance and, and pay for rights just to show the games. When, when you talk about rights fees... The reason that you can't use music, if you're if you're a podcast, let's say Lockdown Packers wants to use Nelly. I'm just thinking because it was just in a Billions episode, they used Hot in here. And they had to pay for that. They had to pay a licensing fee because that, that makes money. If Lockdown Packers wanted to play Nelly, I would have to pay a licensing fee to play Nelly because I benefit, I profit off this show. And so I can't profit off this show using Nelly because that is a copyrighted product. The NFL is a copyrighted product. So why should gambling outfits be able to profit off the league? They shouldn't, in my opinion. I think the leagues are right to ask for this fee. And and basically what they can do is they say, if you're a state and you license someone then that that gambling establishment has to pay what amounts to a tax. They're going to have to pay income tax on their revenue, and they're going to have to pay state tax on that revenue. And what the leagues are saying is, we want you to put an additional cap or an additional tax on that revenue. Or at the very least, you're going to give us 1% of the revenue you take in. And I think that's a reasonable way to handle all of this. That means that we are not far from being able to go watch a Packer game at Lambeau Field and after you get your brat and your beer, go to the kiosk and say, okay, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw a touchdown pass this quarter or the Packers are going to cover the spread or they're going to cover the second half spread or there's going to be a kickoff out of bounds. I mean, there are so many ways, so many props, so many different avenues to make money off of this that teams are going to find them. And the the NFL, they have a fantasy football platform right now, NFL.com. And what the league might do is the league might open up a platform to make money off gambling. You can go to NFL.com and say, 
the Packers are going to cover the spread. That could be a thing that happens. We could be moving that direction. And that's a that's a fascinating direction to be moving in. You are listening to Locked On Packers on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything around the NFL with Locked On NFL. And after that incredible game one of the finals, LeBron goes 51-8-8 and and still loses because of a J.R. Smith brain fart. Recap it all with Locked On NBA. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this last topic, and I saved it for last because not everyone is going to want to talk about it. Not everyone is going to want to listen to me talk about it. And that is the the change that was made by the NFL to the policy that teams come out and stand for the anthem. Now, there was no rule saying teams had to stand. And there is now a rule that says you do have to stand, but only if you come out of the tunnel. You can stay in the locker room as a player if you want to. There is no longer a mandate for you to come out. And there has been reporting since then that basically the NFL had the president in mind when they came to this agreement. And not specifically that this rule was only made because of the criticisms that President Trump and and those um, in conservative media leveled against the league and, and those kneeling, this is not even going to be a discussion about those protests. That's not the relevant point here. But by the end of the season, the NFL had made some inroads with players. And players who had been kneeling started to stand, and they started to protest in different ways. And guys like Malcolm Jenkins, you know, their fist raised instead of kneeling. The story was subsiding if you're the NFL and that's what you want to happen. You want the story to go away, or at least that's how the league feels about it. Now, obviously the players, the reason you protest is so that it stays in our consciousness. It stays relevant. You're you're protesting to raise awareness and to say, look, this is unacceptable what is going on in our country when it comes to the treatment of people of color, especially when it when it involves interactions with police. And that is what the protest was about. And the league didn't like it because there was this backlash. And the president calling Colin Kaepernick a son of a bitch. And all of these things that that came along with it. And that drama, that controversy had subsided. And if you're the league, that you would think would be a net positive for them. And instead what they've done is said now... You're not going to be able to protest outwardly, but you can still protest by not coming out for the anthem at all or choosing not to. And instead of week one being about the return of Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or the the incredible collection of talent the Rams put together or what is is this Brady's last run at his Super Bowl, all of the different things that that could have been on our minds for week one now center around who is and who isn't out of the locker room for the anthem. They took an issue that for most people was not an issue. But the league was afraid of the story. And they made it a bigger story. And they did it to a in, in part, they admitted, in part to appease Donald Trump. And yet, the president has already come out and blasted anyone who would stay in the locker room. And so in trying to, I mean, this is this is 
taking a non-issue and making it worse. I, I wrote in, in my column that this was a solution in search of a problem. And, and what it's done is it's not even just a solution in search of a problem. It's a solution that created a problem. There was no reason to make this change. And in fact, there's already been reporting that this change has emboldened players to do something just to spite the league and the critics of these protests. That now, essentially, the league poked the hornet's nest when it comes to player attitudes. They were fine. They were just living their life, buzzing away, working hard. And now you poke the nest and they're pissed. And, and rightfully so. There was no need to make this change. But never underestimate the league's ability to make any situation worse. All right, we're going to be back next week. And we're going to have three, three shows. We'll talk more storylines, Aaron Rodgers' contract situation. There was some reporting that that Rodgers was looking to put an opt-out into his contract so essentially he could renegotiate it whenever he wanted, which I have I have predicted all along that the Rodgers contract is going to be paradigm shifting in the way that it is focused and the way that it is structured. And that is whether it's something like this opt-out or the percentage of salary cap notion Rodgers is is trying to be innovative and he is trying to amp up his leverage and he's trying to maximize his earning potential. And I'm not sure there's any amount of money that Packer fans would think is too much to pay Aaron Rodgers. He's proven his worth to this team. So they're going to get this contract done. There, there should be no worries about that. He, he is trying to increase his leverage, but we know he's not going to leave. He just wants more money. And he deserves more money. And if he's still playing like this at a high level and he's playing 16 games, then he's going to get his money. And the Packers should be willing to pay. And if they are willing to pay, that that does have implications for the rest of the roster because the team is going to have to keep drafting well. That is why the draft pick swap was so great in the spring to add that first-round pick. Add value. Give yourself more picks so that you can keep adding in low-cost players. The best asset any team can have is a rookie salary where a player becomes a star in year two or year three or even right away. There is nothing more valuable outside of the quarterback position than a cheap rookie contract for a player who is playing at a high level. And so Green Bay, when they're going to be paying Aaron Rodgers so much, has to continue to find ways to get younger players in here. And that's been the biggest problem in the Ted Thompson era. And Brian Gutekunst is going to have to face the same thing as Aaron Rodgers wanes in terms of his career arc as as he plays the back nine, as it were. And he's still hole 12, 13. I mean, he's got got five, six plus more years if he wants them. And so Brian Gutekunst has to keep making this team competitive. All right, remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. All the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. All there for you so you can do your best to stay Locked on Packers.